and I would go into meetings and I felt like I had to like, I was like ready for a fight, you know? Right. And yeah. like, that was the fight to be heard, to be respected, to be, to have my ideas listened to. I can't tell you how many times I, I said things in meetings and got dismissed. And then somebody, some man said the exact same thing or even the exact same joke as me. And right. it was well received. I'm like, do people even hear me? I'm so confused. So it wasn't until I want to say five or six years into my career that I had a boss who told me, who sat me down and basically was like, look, I'm worried about your likability factor here. Welcome to the Next Level Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Harrop. I've been in different leadership positions over the last seven years, and the most rewarding thing is when I'm able to help women on their way to a promotion or a better position with another company. I'm here to help so many more women see their potential and implement small changes every day to make a huge impact in their career. I focus on confidence, self-awareness, communication, growth mindset, networking, and more. If you're ready to believe in yourself and take action, you're in the right place. Let's go. So we're changing things up a little bit over here and you'll have to tell me if you like the new layout of the podcast. I will be doing updates at the end of each episode, personal updates. If you are interested to stay connected, I would love for you to hang out for the entire episode. And if not, that's totally okay. If you're here for the great content, so be it. I'm happy to provide that for you. So let's jump into the bios of the two guests I have today. I cannot wait for you to listen in on this episode. It's going to leave you feeling invigorated and excited to show up as your authentic self in the workplace. So Rachel Duplain has over 11 years of experience in content and product marketing in the tech industry. Most recently, she works as group manager, strategic product marketing at Podium, Utah's fifth fastest growing software company. Rachel is also a certified scrum master and is co-CEO of Bright Zebra Marketing, where she and her business partner, Ashley, teach female entrepreneurs how to grow and scale their online businesses with a clear marketing and content strategy. Rachel has had the privilege of presenting at industry events like Serious Decisions, Alt Summit, Aspire Her, and more. Her work has also won a CMA, Content Marketing Award, and an IHAF Gold Award. When she's not working, she enjoys spending as much time as possible with her family, listening to podcasts or Audible, practicing the piano, and doing house projects. And a little bit about Ashley as well. Ashley Spurlock has 14 years of experience writing and managing marketing projects and teams in the tech, education, and fitness industries. In recent roles, she has overseen an agile team responsible for content marketing, sales support, and product marketing, and worked on web marketing strategies for a large enterprise tech business. Recently, she left the corporate world to spend more time with her toddler, freelance full-time, and focus on helping female entrepreneurs market their business with Bright Zebra. In her free time, Ashley loves family time, reading, mowing the lawn, and looking forward to the next weekend road trip. And with that, we'll jump right into the episode. Enjoy. All right, everyone. I am so happy to introduce a duo today. I've got Ashley Spurlock and Rachel Duplain with me. Ashley and Rachel, hello. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. Hi. 
Awesome. I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. And really how we met was I attended an event that Rachel and Ashley were hosting as part of their marketing company that they're doing. They are involved in quite a bit of awesome things and I was happy to be a part of it. They really helped me in growing my own business in that short session. So I knew I had to follow them on Instagram and I really have been such a cheerleader behind the scenes for them ever since. So I was very grateful to get connected. We've spoke at a couple of similar events and I am happy to be in their network. I'll let you introduce yourself personally and professionally. Feel free to share whatever feels right to you with your history. I know you both have a lot going on and I know that my audience is excited to hear about it. So Ashley, let's have you start. Sure, thanks, Nicole. So I'm Ashley. I have 14 years of experience in marketing. I started my career as a copywriter and worked my way up through different roles in content marketing and product marketing and solutions marketing. Most of my experience has been in the tech industry, but I spent some time in the fitness industry, higher education, which was a really fun stop. And I even worked for a home security business back in the day, you know, just uh, everybody needs marketing, right? When we were talking before the call or before you started recording, we talked about mentioning how the career has progressed. And, and I do think that that's really interesting to hear how other people's titles have changed. You know, like Cheryl Sandberg says that it's like a jungle gym instead of a ladder, right? So I started as a copywriter and did that at my first two stops and then kind of followed this progression of trying to get promoted at the place where I was. So copywriter to senior copywriter, and then moving to another job as a senior copywriter, and then doing the same thing there and, and kind of work my way up through those titles I kind of mentioned. But at my most recent corporate stop, I ended up working on website strategy, which was really interesting and super different than what I had done previously, which was more focused on, you know, that content aspect of marketing or the product positioning aspect of marketing. So working on website strategy for a pretty large enterprise brand was really, really exciting. And it was a really fun spot in my career. But personally, I'm from Colorado, but I've spent a lot of time in Utah. I have a four-year-old boy who is just my entire world. I've been married for about 14 years. This summer will be our 14th anniversary. We love movies and road trips. Me personally, I'm a big reader. I just started taking piano lessons again, which is pretty great. Anyway, I left the corporate world a little about a little over a year ago just to spend more time with that four-year-old. But I've been freelancing pretty much full-time for local tech clients since. So I've been trying to keep a pulse on the corporate world while I've been gone. And Rachel and I, of course, co-founded Bright Super Marketing, and we have been super busy with that. That takes a lot of our time and, and effort. So that's what I'm doing now. I love it. And I am Rachel Duplain. Thanks so much for having us on your podcast, Nicole. I'm thrilled to be here. Of course. Sometimes I wonder like where to start. So I'm in my 12th year of my career in content and product marketing in the tech industry. And I, to back it up, I got my bachelor's degree in English at BYU. I graduated in the middle of the recession back in like 2009. So I also had kind of like an interesting path to getting to where I am today. I ended up taking my first job out of college as an administrative assistant for a startup company. It was a really great move for me at the time because jobs were hard to come by and this one was full-time and had benefits and I needed that as a (laughs) freshly graduated student. So I did that for about eight months and I just got really lucky because well, I wouldn't say it's all luck. I worked my butt off, but yes, I was going to correct you. <laughs> I, at the time, I reported to the director of HR, and 
he took an interest in me and knew that I was overqualified and saw a lot of my skills. And so he actually worked with our marketing VP and they found a position for me in marketing and that has created the career I didn't know that I wanted. So I started, what they asked me to do when I first started marketing was be a copywriter and actually co-produce and co-host a podcast, which I will never say the name to because I am so ashamed of it. (laughs) (laughs) I can help you find it though. It was, (laughs) it was really good learning. It was a really good learning experience. And I had a conversation with the VP of marketing when I first started and he basically said, look, I'm going to rely on you to grow this into what you want it to be. Mm -hmm. That was a really cool opportunity for me. And I did just that. I did. I embraced the content side because that's something that I've always loved and been good at. I was able to move into content marketing role, got promoted. And then after a couple of years was promoted again to a solutions marketing or product marketing role, which was the best time of my career so far. (laughs) That's where I met Ashley and we had so much fun. We worked together and we had so much fun and became friends then. And then after that, I was promoted to senior and I did a stint in integrated marketing campaigns. So now I am in my current role as a group manager of product marketing at one of Utah's fastest growing tech companies. I also am a certified scrum master and I co-CEO a business, uh, Bright Zebra Marketing. So that is kind of my fun path. And then on a personal level, I'm from California originally. I've been married for going on eight years. I've got a two-year-old who's the best. His name is Dax. And I have a lot of shared interests with Ashley. I love to read or in my busy life today, listen to books. And Mm -hmm. I'm also trying to practice piano more. And I just love spending time with my family and doing house projects. We're a good pair. Yeah, 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 you are. (laughs) I mean, I could tell that definitely just following you on social media, but Yeah, Ashley, I love what you said, leaving corporate, but still wanting to stay connected. Oh my gosh, I resonate with that so much because even in growing my own business and kind of venturing out on my own, I still enjoy having some connection to the corporate world. And I mean, that's what I'm creating a program around is to help those entry-level team members to be successful because I know how much of a struggle that can be. But I can tell you both have had such different paths and they crossed at some point and you guys connected, which is amazing. And I love hearing from every one of my guests what that looks like in that growth, because in LinkedIn, it's so black and white and you don't hear the actual story behind it. And I know that my audience appreciates hearing, you know, how people got from one position to the next. And oftentimes the word lucky is thrown out there, but you're right. It is so much hard work and effort and, you know, being seen. That's when you're connected to people who recognize your hard work and they want to advocate for you. So then you can be seen for other opportunities. And I so appreciate those, you know, quote unquote, lucky team members who have gotten to work with, who have gotten me connections to be recruited or promoted or whatever that is. So I just love, 
obviously so much grit in both of your history. Grit is a great um, word for it too. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Especially being moms, having your own business and, you know, having full-time careers or uh, Ashley still being very much involved in that. It's a lot. I mean, power to you. I I appreciate you being here tonight and sharing your story. We're recording in the evening because all of our kiddos <laughs> are asleep, which is so helpful. Yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. Uh, I, I loved that you both were open to sharing an interview and talking about authenticity and how it can really help advance your career. I loved this. I had someone I was posting on LinkedIn about a thread about drinking the Kool-Aid and I won't go too far into it, but I was kind of like, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid could be viewed as like a toxic thing because really where it originated from was that it was related to poison and it was a bad thing. So when people talk about that, you know, it can be a bad thing of culture and then it can be a really great thing where, you know, if they're doing the right stuff with the culture, you're saying, oh yeah, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid because I love it so much. But there can be mixed signals with authenticity and how people are showing up and are you acting a certain way because you think that's what's going to help you get promoted or are you actually showing up as authentic? So I thought it was perfect that we'll be talking about this tonight. I wanted to hear both of your definitions of what does the word authentic mean to you? This is Rachel. I'll kick us off on this. I I heard someone say once, and, and this has really stuck with me, that authenticity is letting go of trying to control other people's opinions about you. And that mm-hmm. has been very, very, very true for me personally in my life when I kind of think back to my kind of path with authenticity and figuring that out in the workplace. It's a logical fallacy to think that you could ever control somebody else's thoughts about you, and yet we all try to do it. <laughs> You know, but I think that it's authenticity is being courageous enough to show up as your true and and genuine self and letting down your guard a bit and being open to other people and not trying to put on a facade or act like someone that you're not or better than you are. On the flip side, I don't think that authenticity means you have a pass for not having tact, for being unprofessional or even oversharing. So I think there's a middle ground there where you're able to be professional, but also genuine. Yes. I love that so much. I love that. When I was thinking about your question, Nicole, I was thinking that I think being authentic or understanding how to be your authentic self starts with understanding who you are. There's lots of ways to do that for me. And Rachel and I could talk for hours about personality tests, but for me, that's another thing we have a shared interest in, but The Enneagram is like my guiding star, which I didn't know I needed until, I don't know, maybe a year ago. It helps me understand like why I do the things that I do, why certain things motivate me, why certain things make me feel really valuable or not, why I do things when I'm feeling super stressed or really healthy, right? If you know the Enneagram, you you kind of recognize those patterns. But I think for a lot of people that could look different, right? Like we've, we've talked about, Rachel and I have talked a lot about Carol Tuttle's energy typing, I think is what she calls it. Yeah, that's Rachel's favorite. (laughs) Myers-Briggs, you know, but, and there's lots of people I'm sure that just understand who they are and they don't need a personality test to tell them, but maybe that's, that's why Rachel and I need to, I'm a three wing two and Rachel and the Enneagram is a one. I think those kinds of things like a roadmap to get back to that. I think it, it starts with understanding who you are so you can show up 
as that person, right? Totally. Definitely. Yeah, I often encourage my listeners to take those different personality tests, do all the different things so that you can have that self-awareness of the way I'm answering these questions. Is it really giving me the information that I feel is true to me? And if not, what is an in alignment and how can I get better into alignment? So if you're listening, if you're tuning in, I would take a minute and write down what your definition of being authentic really is because you can Google it and see the actual term, but I love how both of you thought of it in different ways. One is more introspective and the other one is more letting go of what other people are thinking of you. Write down what you think is authentic and how you show up authentic in the workplace. Have you always shown up authentically in the workplace? Walk me through when you felt like you could be authentic in the workplace. Sure. I'll start with this one. This is Ashley. You know, I think at the beginning of my career, it was hard to know how to show up. I didn't really have a lot of examples of people in office jobs in my life. So I think I was a little unprepared for that, especially unprepared for how male dominated the workplace would be, especially in in marketing and different. I mean, there's certainly women in marketing, but for most of my career, it's been pretty male dominated. You know, I can remember trying to fit in and mimic what others were doing. You know, a lot of mirroring behaviors as I was a pretty young graduate too. When I graduated with my bachelor's degree, I was I turned 21 like five days later. So I was really, really young. Again, with maybe not so many examples, just trying to understand how to act in a meeting, what to say. But I can also remember a really clear moment early on when I realized it maybe had been a year or so at my first major stop. My entire life, I had been an achiever. I was really focused on what I could accomplish next. You know, high school was always about grades and all the extracurriculars and all the things that was kind of the definition of me but in the workplace I had this moment realizing like none of these people have they don't really know who I am they didn't know me before they don't know my track record like all that stuff doesn't matter when you get that job right so they're not going to know who the real me is unless I show them I have to be the one to present that to them. So I made it a point to show up more authentically in that moment and and trying to speak up and make it really clear that I wanted more. You know, I wanted to be a leader. I wanted to show up with more leadership in meetings, even though I was still pretty green, mm-hmm. trying to soak up the, the lessons that I could see my managers trying to deliver and give to their employees, right? And take that and, and emulate that. Anyway, it was a, it was a pivotal moment for me because I I thought back to that moment several times later in my career, and it just it helped me with the courage to speak up when I wanted something more, a promotion or a pay raise yes. or you know whatever it was. Coming back mm-hmm. to that, this is who I am, and they're not going to know that unless I tell them. Exactly. Yeah. And for me, I had a similar experience starting out in my career. It actually, so I feel like I've shown up authentically sometimes and in in some ways I've always been authentic in some ways I also was inauthentic. I never felt like I wasn't being myself, but it was how I was choosing to show up, I guess. I don't really know how to put better words to that, but I think it felt, it took me years to figure out who the authentic me really was and be able to show that person in the workplace. And I don't want to get too deep here, but I think that a lot of women, myself included, and it sounds like Ashley too, have wounding that stems from childhood where if our authentic selves were criticized, then we learn to suppress those things about ourselves and try to take Mm -hmm. on a different persona. 
it, that happened to me. And that is when I started actively trying to control what other people thought about me to avoid criticism. I was told right. things like, I was too bossy, I was uptight, I was opinionated, I was unapproachable, I was critical, I was too serious. I was told to loosen up and smile more and mm -hmm. relax, my favorite word. That doesn't mean somebody in the face at all. So, <laughs> anyway, that all makes me sound like a real B word, but I'm not. <laughs> right. I started to believe that about myself after hearing that for so long. And so I took this message in that I was too much. And then I tried to soften myself. And by doing that, it really came off as inauthentic for a long time. Mm -hmm. When I entered the workforce, I really learned that I had never really considered what it meant to be in a male-dominated space before. And my eyes were wide open very, very quickly. So mm -hmm. I actually, my first job out of college, there was like 100 employees and maybe 10% of them were women. And... On my first day, one of the women who was close in age to me said, just remember that this is a man's world. So if you want to get anywhere, you're going to have to dumb it down, show a little skin and make them think it was their idea. That was the advice I was given by another woman. And in like I, what, 2008, not 1954. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? yeah. <laughs> so I, and I did not take that advice because that was for sure not authentic to me. And I actually, Ashley could probably attest to this. I don't lie. Like it's not, I'm not a good liar. I don't even try to lie, <laughs> but I have, I do have as an Enneagram one, this need to, to put on a perfect persona sometimes. And that happened in the workplace. I started to realize that I needed to always be super buttoned up, super prepared, super knowledgeable. And I felt like this, like I, you can't see me, but I'm like very, I'm like clenching because, and I would go into meetings and I felt like I had to like, I was like ready for a fight, you know? Right. And yeah. like, that was the fight to be heard, to be respected, to be, to have my ideas listened to. I can't tell you how many times I, I said things in meetings and got dismissed. And then somebody, some man said the exact same thing or even the exact same joke as me. And right. it was well received. I'm like, do people even hear me? I'm so confused. So it wasn't until I want to say five or six years into my career that I had a boss who told me, who sat me down and basically was like, look, I'm worried about your likability factor here. <laughs> and <laughs> I love it. I love and it. Just straight, straight to business. I know. He basically just told me, he did it in the nicest way possible because he was not a direct, it was really hard for him to tell me this. He's not the type who's, he's a green personality. And anyway, he basically said, I think it would really benefit you if you could learn to just be yourself at work. People would connect to you more and they would like you more and they would understand you more. And it mm -hmm. was kind of a moment for me where I was like, what do you mean I am being authentic? And then when I really looked inward at myself, I realized, no, I'm trying to be who I think they want me to be. And that's how I'm going to be able to continue growing in advance. That's the only way. But then I realized that it was making it harder for people to connect to me on a human personal level. So I, like Ashley, had to go on a little bit of a journey to figure out who authentic me was. And Ashley uses the Enneagram. I use the energy profiling. And I found that program around that same time. Mm -hmm. And what it did for me was help me realize that the things that I've been the most criticized for in my life 
are also my greatest natural strengths and gifts that I have to bring to the workplace. And mm -hmm. if I could use them in positive ways, it would help me immensely. And I started to learn the language around those gifts that instead of being critical, I actually am a perfecter, not a perfectionist. I'm saying a perfecter. I have the ability to look at a system or a project and see the flaws and how it needs to be improved, how to make it better. And if you don't use that gift well, then it does come off as you're criticizing potentially someone else's work. So you have to be careful. Right. I also mm -hmm. have a gift for ideas and creativity and creating efficiency. So mm -hmm. once I learned that language about myself, I was able to show up and let other people show up as their strengths and embrace their strengths and let go of me trying to be all the things and just show up in my strengths. And mm -hmm. so it was a journey for me, but I felt a lot more relaxed and happier at work and less stressed when I was able to do that. Thank you both for sharing I feel like it's such a vulnerable thing, at least in my opinion, when talking about authenticity and how you can show up authentically in the workplace. Ashley, I totally relate to you. I am also a three wing too. And when you're talking about achievements and, you know, accolades or whatever that is, I wasn't that like, I totally did not achieve great things in high school. But once I got into a career or really a call center, it has been a great stepping stone for me. That's when I realized, oh my gosh, this is a clean slate. No one really even knows me here. I can start fresh and no one's previous opinions can weigh in on me here, which was really freeing for me. And Rachel, what you were saying really is a great message of being aware of how you use your words. And that is such a powerful thing that's been talked about more frequently is how we speak to each other, especially women in the workplace. And it's so true that even as I sit in work meetings, I can see a man say something and then I see a woman say something or maybe they're having a healthy argument or disagreement. And the view of the female is so different than it is of the male, even today, which I know we're making leaps and bounds in progress, but it is really unfortunate in so many of those circumstances. And because of those previous words that people use that tell us that, you know, you are too loud or too bossy or, you know, you have too many opinions on what we're looking to change here, it can really set you back if you aren't confident in who you really are. And I love that showing up as being authentic and being self-aware can really help you feel good about creating those relationships so that, you know, Rachel, when you're saying all the project improvement and making things so much better, when you're building those relationships and they know you're coming from a good place, you're able to convey that message and be able to provide that feedback. And it may not always come off perfect, right? at least you've built that relationship with that person to have it come off a little better. I think for me, showing up authentically in the workplace, I was very similar in that I was lost when I first started working and getting out into the corporate world. There wasn't a whole lot of direction of, 
you know, this is how you can be. This is how you can show up. It was very much let's mimic what we perceive other people doing that as well. And oh my gosh, that has turned out so poorly for so many people. (laughs) When I see them mimicking people who really aren't as successful as they may perceive, which is why I always add that perception word in that can that can bite you in the butt real quick. But I I feel like when I was working at some of my previous companies, I I almost feel like the leadership team didn't even welcome authenticity. It was kind of come in here, do your work, you know, clock in, clock out, show that you're doing well with your numbers and that's all we really care about. And it wasn't until I started working for a startup that they said, it's okay to be vulnerable with your team. It's okay to build, you know, deeper relationships with your team members, not just surface level and really connect with these people who you're working with day in and day out. And that is really where I started feeling like I could show up as my authentic self that isn't perfect and who has leaps and bounds of progress that I can make. But that's for me where I felt like I could start being a little bit more authentic in the workplace. Yeah. I think too, if I could add to that, just that of course. I think when I think when you do start to show up in that more authentic way, which, you know, I, I don't wanna I don't want to mislead anyone and think that I just had this moment and then for the rest of my career, I was the most authentic person right. in the whole world. It certainly, it's it's a journey, right? But mm-hmm. I can even remember at the stop where Rachel and I met, you know, it, it almost felt like what you're saying, Nicole, like at every every new stop, it's it's a fresh start. It's, you know, I get to show, I get to decide what the narrative is, right, about me mm-hmm. and, you know, my work ethic and how I am in meetings. Am I funny? Am I, you know, serious or whatever, all those things. And I can remember thinking about silly things like, I don't like sushi. <laughs> and like corporate lunches, there's lots of sushi, right? And, and, to say, <laughs> yes. and to say that, like, I'm not down with fish, like, that's kind of a big deal for me to be viewed as like, oh, I don't want to be that person, the downer. But, mm-hmm. but even like something as small as that helped me show up more vulnerable or more authentically to my team. And then, you know, then they share what they're cool or not cool with. And it, I feel like you then have more of a bond with the team. And when you have a better bond, I, I really truly believe when you have a better bond with your team, you all collectively do better work together. So I think if you show up as your best authentic self, you do your best work. Yeah, I love that point, Ashley. And I was just thinking, for me, I feel like I didn't feel safe in the culture to show any weakness. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't. And then what people think of you is that you think you're amazing, <laughs> right? <laughs> so like, oh, what a know-it-all or whatever. Yeah but I didn't feel safe to show any sort of weakness or even just to show like the quirkier human side of me. Like I am not C-3PO human cyborg relations. (laughs) Like I am, (laughs) (laughs) that is a way of showing my quirkiness to all of you right now. I love Star Wars, but yeah, like that it's okay to be a little weird. It's okay to be yourself to like, like Ashley said, to talk about your interests and even if those things may seem weird and that creates and Ashley or I and I were both on that team that was the best team of our careers because our team was so open like yeah. that we talked about everything and we just had so much fun together because we weren't all so worried about what each other was thinking of us there was there was mm-hmm. trust yeah I definitely think that authenticity 
it may look different for each person based on the ways that you're not showing up authentically, yeah. if that makes sense. Definitely. Or you don't feel safe to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that leads me to the next thought. And I feel like we've covered this to a degree, but I'd love to hear your thoughts of why you think it's important to show up as authentic. Yeah, so I I guess for me, besides the fact that it makes people like you more, it opens up this ability to connect with other people and create allies in the workplace. And as you were saying earlier, Nicole, those allies can help you grow in your business. You never know what connections they Mm -hmm. have or where they're going to go next and then try to recruit you because they think you're great, what opportunities those allies are going to present for you, or even just what kind of support those allies would be for you in the workplace. Everybody, I think everybody needs to have a best friend at work, Hundred percent. you know, like just someone that you feel safe with that you can secretly vent to. And Ashley was that person for me for a time, things like that. So I think there's a likability factor. And then for me, knowing what my strengths were and what my strengths weren't Mm -hmm. like these, there are certain things, for example, I don't like cross functional leadership. Okay. (laughs) There I said it. You're never supposed to say that. (laughs) I don't thrive in that. And I don't thrive in a situation where I'm supposed to be leading a lot of collaboration Mm -hmm. and trying to project manage or herd people into moving forward. That is very against my nature and I don't thrive being put in those situations. And then so when I am put in those situations, I'm extra stressed. And then I get in this downward spiral of like, I suckness. Mm-hmm. And so I, <laughs> I just made it. I love it. I love I'm going to use it tomorrow. <laughs> Being authentic. Downward so suckness. I have an English degree, so I can do that. <laughs> but for me, it was understanding, like we were talking about the language about my strengths so that I could say to my boss, look, I will do that if you need me to do it, but you should know I don't thrive in those situations. I would be much better suited in this scenario or if I could contribute in this way because these are my strengths. And once I was able to start having those conversations with my boss, man, it took a huge load off. Like they, they listened to me and they would help me find opportunities to work in the areas where I knew I could excel and not be floundering in an area where it was not in alignment with my, you know, natural gifts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think, you know, if we could, going back to the Enneagram three wing two, I feel similarly to Rachel, understanding that with that personality type that I need to get some stuff done. Like I need to check a thing off the list. So I feel like in my head, even just on a daily basis, I find myself, I know that's probably not very healthy, but like going through the things I've done today so that I feel like I have made my stamp on this day. Right. Right. And it's really important for me in a corporate role to have that experience as well. I really love strategy. I love high level conversations. I love making long, long long-term plans, but I also need some kind of mix of of getting stuff done right and having something cross the finish line it's just that's part of who i am yes i think what i'm getting out of this is really knowing your strengths and being able to effectively communicate them in a safe environment with your leadership and with your other team members because i am the exact same that if i feel safe in an environment where i can say 
This is not my strong suit, but again, I'll take it on if I need to. That is a great way to say if this ends up not going in our favor, at least we had the conversation and I was very transparent that this is not an area that I am comfortable or confident in. And we're happy to take on additional things that are outside of our scope or our job description. But yes, having that communication and saying, hey, if this doesn't work out or if I don't do super amazing, you know, please don't judge my entire career off of it, which unfortunately I have seen as well when those conversations don't proactively happen and someone takes something on that they have no clue how to do and then they totally do an awful job and then they've gotten fired for it because they acted so confident along the way but in reality they were really struggling and they didn't know who to reach out to for help. So that's a really sad example of when you're not being authentic because you feel like you have to put on that front and to anyone tuning in, I would please advise you to not be someone who is like a yes man or a yes person, I guess, to put it more safe terms. But don't take everything on that your boss asks you to take on because you say yes so often. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a great quality or trait to have because then the things that you're strongest at start to get pushed by the wayside and then you don't get to work on those strong skilled things and you're working on things that take much more effort. They're way more draining. So you go home from work, you're exhausted, you're frustrated. Maybe you're starting to not like your job. And if that's where you're at right now, I would definitely reconsider if you're showing up as your most authentic self, having those communications, as well as recognizing what's on your plate and knowing that you don't have to have a ton of things on your plate to still be a success where you're currently at. Yeah, that's really great advice. And it made me think of a couple things. One being, I think that there was a time in my career when I didn't, where having a conversation like that would have felt like showing weakness Mm -hmm. and basically, and making it seem like I'm not actually a rock star if I admit that there's something that I'm not very Mm -hmm. good at. So there are also times when there are things that you are good Mm -hmm. at, but don't Mm -hmm. like. And that drain you. And that was what was, that happened to me a lot where a boss would see, oh, she's good at this. So he would put me on those projects all the time. And when I finally learned to say, look, I like, again, I will do this if you need me to, but these projects are, they're like hell for me. You know, like I, they, these give me stress. I don't enjoy them. I don't feel like I show up as my best Mm -hmm. self, those types of things it makes a difference. And I haven't had that ever backfire on me. And the other thing, which is what you were talking about, Nicole, is I think it's authentic to be willing to ask for help. So Mm -hmm. if you are put on a project where you don't feel like it's your strength, saying to your boss or whatever mentor you have, look, I recognize that this is not necessarily my strong suit. I'm willing to do it. I want to do a great job. What direction do you have for me and how could you help me succeed at this? I think that shows maturity too, if you're willing to to initiate that conversation, right? And have that conversation and say, I know who I am. I know what I'm good at. I know what's going to drain me to Rachel's point. And, and being the one to come forward with that, I think shows you're being proactive. You want the best for the team, right? You want to show up the best so you can do the best for them. And having that conversation proves that. Yeah. If you're a good leader, I have always appreciated when my team comes to me and they say, 
hey, I know you just got done explaining this project and I started working on it and I'm already confused. For Mm -hmm. me, I take that as feedback that I probably didn't do a very good job at explaining it or like I hit such a, a big pivot in my career or maybe it was honestly getting more mature or whatever it may be dropping my pride was having much more self-reflection as a leader and I know I have so many people who tune in who are in the entry level so I want you to know please go to your leaders and have those conversations and tell them that you're confused or lost because a good leader is going to want to know that in advance so that they can help give you the direction or the support that you need. Or maybe it is putting you on a different project if you really aren't very happy, but you're still doing it anyway. Figuring out how to have happy employees who are doing a good job, that means I am succeeding as the leader. And it took so much of yeah, dropping that pride to be like, you know what? It actually is probably me who did a poor job of explaining that. Or, you know, if there was a misunderstanding and an error was made, I made it a point to do some self-reflection on my leadership first, instead of blaming my team member, which would have been way easier. You know, it was in the training or it was in the document or, you know, then I was saying, okay, how do I learn from this to prevent it from happening again in the future as well? I also, speaking of taking on way too much, I worked in a startup and there was this assessment we took that was called predictive index. If you're familiar with that at all. It basically has these four different strength areas and it is based off of a Six Sigma scale and you're either in the median or you're far left, far right, whatever that looks like. So it's not necessarily bad to be high or low. It's just different strengths. Well, one of mine is really high in an area where it says like, I can take on a lot of projects. I can have a lot of stuff going on and still function really well. Whereas the opposite end of that are the people who like to have those same processes, you know, people who work in an assembly line is really the easiest way to put it, where you're stamping that thing, pushing it away, stamping that thing, pushing it away, you know, Uh, feeling like very comfortable with repetition, uh, which a lot of jobs are very similar, but then have a little bit of that difference, right? You learn how to take inbound phone calls, but then you speak with all different types of customers. So similar, but different. I'm on like the way far end that I, I really don't like things that are really repetitious. And my boss took that as, oh great, she can take on so many extra things. So everything that he wasn't able to do, it was just push it on Nicole's plate, put it on Nicole's plate, put it on Nicole's plate. I really thrive with having a lot going on, but there is certainly a tipping point where it was way too much. So I had to figure out how do I have that conversation of saying, I know that, you know, this says that I can take on these things, but let's look at the list of things that you have going on. And when I showed like an entire page full and I was like, how am I supposed to do this in a 40 hour work work week, ideally when I am almost due with my second child, that was a little bit tricky. So I agree a hundred percent that it's all about having those conversations and figuring out what's going to work best for you to be happy in the workplace while also being a great contributor to the team. So why do you feel that showing up as your most authentic self can help advance someone's career? You know, I feel like we've, we've kind of touched on this a little bit. Rachel mentioned, you know, 
the more people that you can be authentic with, the more people you connect to, and those people move to other places and they need to hire new roles, right? I think Mm -hmm. that there's advancement that way, just having more of a, a wider network who you are truly connected with, not just on a surface level, but on a deeper level. And then also, I think, again, showing up and being really open that you want to be your best self so that the best work can move forward with the team. I think that shows ambition and determination and that teamwork aspect that leaders, that good leaders really want, right? Mm -hmm. And so when there's an opening or when there's an advancement opportunity, again, to, to my earlier point, if, if that's your personality to speak up and say those things, I think in each of the times I've been promoted, I feel like there have been conversations like that where I've said, I know you're going to interview for other people, but I want you to know that I also want, and Rachel has lots of experience with this too, but I want my hat in the ring and here are the reasons why. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't and that's okay. And I think that even when it doesn't work out, mm-hmm. it still proves so much about you that maybe the next time it happens, an opportunity will will present itself. I think that like Ashley said, it's pretty rare for you to just be gifted a promotion. Yes, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that happened, it that happened be to nice? me once. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Actually, maybe it's, twice. I think it's, but, yeah. It has happened to us a few <laughs> times, I think, but, yeah. but most and of the maybe time. It's more common, maybe it's more common earlier in your career, but most of the time to get a career advancement, I have either had to go somewhere else or ask for it repeatedly. When you are able to be an authentic version of yourself, you can have an open conversation with your boss and say, look, I've said this so many times, look, I know you know this, but I'm a very ambitious Mm -hmm. person and it's important to me to always feel like I'm growing. Right now, I feel like the next step on my path is this title or this opportunity or this thing that I need to learn. I would love to to understand from you what you think it will take from me to get mm-hmm. there. And that way I'm not saying, I'm not being aggressive and saying, hey, if you don't promote me, I'm going to leave right. or I'm unhappy or whatever. It's an authentic conversation. Look, I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to take your feedback and implement it. And I'm willing to, to have a plan with you to help me get there. And that has been a very useful tool in my career. I love it. I think that, I think that also opens up the conversation too of, you know, you're, you're saying, you know, what do you think it'll take for me to get there? But also that the opportunity to ask your boss or your manager, like, what do you see as my strengths? Like, what do I need to work on? Like, you can have that deeper conversation about how they see you showing up, right? Yeah. And I've also asked, this is what I see as my next step. What do you see yes. as my other options? Because in, at least in the tech world, there's usually options. Yeah. yeah. And and back to the whole gifting a promotion, I feel like when those things have happened for us, it's because we have been so persistent earlier and saying, these are the things that I want. That's, I think that those are manifestations of that. That is true. Yeah. That is true. I actually, so let me give you an example of this. Earlier on in my career, I had, when I was still a copywriter working in social media and like blogging and things like that for the the startup that I worked for, the VP of marketing got let go. And then they brought in this, he was current, he was our VP of product at the time and he did not have a good reputation. And I had had some unpleasant exchanges with him just being a peon, Mm -hmm. you know, and anyway, so they made him this the CMO. And then he kind of 
it was a very kind of traumatic experience the way they handled it. They really didn't handle yeah. it well. But he basically started meeting with everyone and just, and he was very known for being, I mean, he was the reddest of the red. He was Microsoft. He intimidated a lot of people. Yeah. I am lucky that I have a lot of red in my personality, so I'm less intimidated, but still I was a little intimidated. Yeah. I went for my one-on-one -on -one with him, my first one-on-one, -on -one, and I had already decided in my brain, like, I'm probably not going to stay because <laughs> this guy's a jerk <laughs> and I don't want to work for him. I The last guy I'd worked for, I loved. Mm. Everybody loved him. We were shocked when he was let go. But I did try to, like, come to my senses and say just, you know, don't be rash, give it a shot, just see how this mm -hmm. goes. So we had this first meeting and he asked me, what would you rather, he basically told me, this is kind of like my vision for content. And at the time, content marketing was not a big thing. Mm -hmm. Content marketing is marketing now, but at the time it was product marketing was the norm and content marketing where this idea of like thought leadership and nurturing your leads, that was new. And our company was not doing it. So he kind of painted this picture for me about content mm -hmm. and where he wanted to take our marketing organization. And he asked me, would you rather do social media or would you rather move into this content marketing position? And in that conversation, I was bold. I told him, look, I am totally underutilized. Mm -hmm. I have a degree in English. I'm an excellent writer. I'm an excellent editor and I could do so much more. Yeah. And then when he said, when he asked me, would you rather go this direction or this direction? I kind I basically said, I'd be fine with either one, like a dummy. And then, so after it was <laughs> over, I felt like it went really well. <laughs> and after it was over, I went one. and talked to, I know, after <laughs> Well, I didn't know. He introduced something that I had never right. heard of. Okay, we'll give you that. <laughs> sure, either one. And then, but I also was like, you know, team player, I'll do whatever you want mm -hmm. me to do, blah, blah, blah. So after I, after that meeting, I, we kind of all as a team were like going in and like downloading with each other. Like, how did your one-on-one go? Right. How did your one-on-one go? You know? And so I met with one of the demand gen directors who was a really good friend to me and mentor and I was talking to him about it and I told him about what I said and he was like, oh, you're going to want to be part of the content marketing. His vision for this, you would excel there. You don't want to be stuck in social. Do you even like social media? I'm like, no, not really. <laughs> and I don't. He gave me the courage to write the CMO an email and say, actually, after thinking about mm -hmm. it, I really feel like I could be an asset to you in this area and I would love the opportunity. And it, it didn't happen right away. But I think about two months later is when he reorged everyone. And he and that was when he gave me the promotion to a content marketing manager after being like a social media copywriting specialist. And so, yes, it was gifted to me, but I also asked for it. Totally. Right. Yeah. I love that. And I think it goes to show you had a leader who knew your intentions, who encouraged you to send that email to make sure that actually after you had some thought because when you are put on the spot those meetings are the hardest because I've had those same things where you know I could have made more money directly if I had chosen one path but I knew it wasn't my passion so I said you know what I'm actually going to go down this route and he my boss at the time was like good that's exactly what I had hoped you would say and how what I wanted you to say and even though I was turning down a little bit of money right then there was more for me in other directions but 
yeah, I think it's great when you have someone who is advocating for you after even those conversations happen because you can go back and write your decision or change your mind after thinking about it. Yes, and I, I, it helps so much um, to know the personality of the person that you're speaking with because yes. I knew that this CMO was a red personality and I, and I learned this more over time that he really appreciated frankness. Yes. And he really appreciated when people push back on him. Actually, he would like test people with that, which was a little weird. But so like, I know now, he never said this to me, but I know now that me taking the initiative to send that email and, and ask directly what I wanted impressed yes. him. Yes, definitely. Because again, it goes back to the male versus a female in the workplace. And I believe that most men would actually say what they wanted to do, even if it wasn't the quote unquote right answer for the leader at that time. I feel like they would probably be a little bit more decisive. And I would be the, I mean, I have been the exact same way where I've said, oh, I'll do whatever the company thinks is best. You know, if that means that that's the answer you want to hear, if, if that will get me promoted someday, <laughs> when in reality, they really do want to hear what truly we're interested in. Because if they think we don't know or don't care, they choose for us. And what if that really isn't the direction we wanted to go down? And who knows what could have happened if you did the whole social media position and maybe you would have burned out way quicker in your career and had different opportunities at that point. Oh, big time. If I had, if I had been left in that, I don't actually know where my career would have gone because content marketing has shaped my entire career. You probably would have left and we would have not met. That's probably true. Exactly. It's so crazy. Like even some of the less happy things that have happened in my career have pointed me to where I am. I am at today. And for that, I am grateful, but it doesn't mean that those tougher times were enjoyable by any means. All of this has been such helpful advice, and I appreciate both of your perspectives. Some things are super similar, and some things are a little bit different, but again, that is why figuring out what is authentic to you is most important. So what if someone, you know, we've talked about not feeling safe or comfortable and in showing up as authentic. So if someone doesn't feel safe, maybe they don't feel comfortable to show up as their authentic self in their career or position right now, what advice do you have for them? You know, when I was thinking about this question earlier, I was thinking about how beneficial it is to seek out a mentor, which I know for a lot of women, sometimes that's really hard. You know, that conversation of like, is that a formal relationship or whatever? But I think you can have a mentor without saying that they're your mentor, right? So seeking out Mm -hmm. advice from someone else who you can show up authentically with, you know, I think is really important. Being able to, you know, like you you mentioned earlier, Nicole, drop the pride and accept advice or suggestions from them. I think, you know, watching people or leaders you admire and seeing what they're doing, do they show up authentically in in your view? Are they doing that? And then understanding exactly what it is that's making you uncomfortable. I think knowing those things can help you figure out maybe the root of the problem. What is preventing you from being uncomfortable? Is it the environment? Is it the type of job you're in? What is going on? Identifying that I think is a really good first step. Agreed. Yeah, I would agree with that. I've actually coached somebody on this before 
And I obviously have to coach myself through it as well, <laughs> but I coached somebody about this one time and a lot of the time, not always, but a lot of the time, this is just our perception that stems from our own thoughts about a circumstance. And so if you are not feeling safe, it's likely because of the thoughts that you have either about the people that you're around mm -hmm. or about the environment. And so I would say, take a minute to challenge if those things are actually factual, if your thoughts are actually factual. If they're not factual, then you can say, well, what is true or what is probably mm -hmm. true? And that can help you see people differently. It helps so much to try to, I, this is why I love personality tests and I love when we do them as teams. At one of the companies I worked at, we did insights, the entire company did it. Mm -hmm. And so everyone had these like color blocks on their desks. So you knew like this person's red, this person's blue, this person's uh -huh. green. And I, I am red, blue, green is my absolute lowest and communicating with greens is difficult for me because we approach the world so differently. Mm -hmm. And so I often find myself having thoughts about greens that aren't true. It's just my perception. Right. And if I can stop and think like a green for a minute, how might they be thinking about this or what might be causing them to show up this way that's making me feel less safe, then I can actually think with a lot more compassion and it changes how I feel. So that's one tip I would say is, are your thoughts factual? Mm -hmm. And if they are, then I would say either leave and go to a company that has a better culture mm -hmm. or work, like Ashley said, work with either a mentor or your boss, if you trust that person to understand, like tell them, like, I'm just having a really hard time feeling like it's safe to be myself. Here's how I'm feeling. What's your perspective on this? You know, what advice mm -hmm. do you have? And that can go a long way. Totally. Yeah, I agree with both of those responses. I think you guys have covered it so well in this whole interview of really getting to that point of feeling safe and having that kind of reflection in the current moment. So often I am reactive and I am like instantly reactive and I've realized you know, that doesn't always work in my favor. So it's helpful to stop and pause for a moment and understand exactly like you were saying, Rachel, is understanding where those thoughts are coming from because circumstances don't have a positive or a negative. They just are. And then we create those thoughts based on all the different circumstances based on what has happened to us in the past or what we perceive and that can get really messy in our own heads especially if we have additional insecurities on top of that so i would highly recommend if someone is in a situation where they don't feel safe or comfortable to show up as their authentic self to have that reflection and Again, to find someone in the workplace, whether that is someone at your same level or if there is another leader who you're more comfortable with than your direct leader, figuring out ways to work better with your direct leader or whatever that looks like to feel more comfortable and show up as authentic and, and even sometimes you know, testing the waters. Let me be authentic in this team meeting and see how I'm received. And if I feel really uncomfortable after the team meeting because everyone 
ignored me or dismissed me or had negative responses to my feedback. That's something to, again, go back and reflect on. And Ashley, I love your advice of finding someone who has been in similar positions. Anyone who's worked at a similar company can be great to say, hey, you know, I'd love to have a chat with you if you have a free moment about showing up as my most authentic self. If that's something that you'd be open to discussing, I could really use some advice. Someone who's been there, especially a female in the workplace, will likely be responding to that positively to offer some guidance. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, and you actually just reminded me, I was going to say this person who I was coaching oh, yeah. on this very thing, she, she came to me with these concerns about how her boss and other executives viewed mm. her and that that was what was making her feel like she couldn't be herself. And it was very much stressing her out. When I kind of sat down with her, I was like, look, has have any of the, these people ever given you this feedback? Mm-hmm. Have they ever actually said these things? And then she was like, no. Yes, I, I relate. <laughs> and I'm like, well, then what if, and I was able to provide another perspective, like what if in this scenario where you felt this way, he was actually coming from this place. Mm-hmm. And that changed everything for her because she started to realize the stories that she had been telling herself about the way people view her. And I, I, the reason I could coach her on this is because I do the same mm-hmm. thing. So, you know what I mean? Like I, I default to nobody likes mm-hmm. me. That is one of my own struggles that I've had to work through in my career and in my life. Mm-hmm. But it's usually just the stories that I'm telling myself and people don't actually think about me as much as I think they do. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Just worried about so ourselves. Everybody has their own place that they're coming from. And we used to have a saying at one of the places I worked at, which was assume good intent. Mm-hmm. And that helped me immensely in those types of scenarios. Yeah, I could not agree with you more. I am the same. I've told myself so many stories walking up to a room after my boss has asked me to come have a chat. I can't tell you how many times I was like, I'm getting fired. Yeah. You know, one time it actually <laughs> happened. I got laid off and I had the thought like, oh my gosh, could I be getting laid off or fired right now? Like this is the firing room is where they just <laughs> called me. And I, I really was getting laid off that day. But other conversations, you know, hundreds of conversations where I've had a boss say, can you can you chat real quick? That's the first thought that goes through my head is, what did I screw up? What did I, you know, what did I do wrong? And it's taken me a long time to realize that I'm, sometimes my own worst enemy in those regards because every single time besides of course that one time it was always great things or just feedback or different direction you know I've had plenty of hard conversations along the way for whatever different reason and in a good way but it's it's funny how often we do that to ourselves and it's something that you have to learn to actively tell yourself to turn off those thoughts when they start creeping in because you're right. The stories we tell ourselves are so far from reality at sometimes. Yes. And one tip that I have found super useful that I just remembered is if you're worried about 
coming off authentically, like if you're not sure if you are or if you worry about sometimes how you're received, whenever you're going to give an opinion, share feedback or things mm-hmm. like that, state your intention first. Yes. And just say, look, what I'm about to say, I am saying because, okay. you know, of X, Y, Z, or I want you to know that before I say this, I want you to know that this is where I'm coming from mm-hmm. on this and stating your intention very clearly and then giving your feedback can totally change the game. And it helps you show up authentically without worrying so much about how you're being perceived. Definitely. You're, you're creating less of a room for any sort of misunderstandings. I love right. that. Well, thank you so much, Ashley and Rachel, for being guests on the podcast today. It really was a two-for-one special <laughs> of all the great things in in regards to authenticity. So thank you again so much, and I hope to have you as guests again someday soon. We would love it. Thank you so much for having us, Nicole. Yes, thank you so much. This was so fun. Of course. We'll see you later. All right, that episode was so much fun to record. I told both of them that I could have spoken with them all night, and I hope we can get lunch here soon. I really have enjoyed following Ashley and Rachel on social media, supporting their marketing business at Bright Zebra, and when they reached out to me to talk about a potential episode together, I was absolutely thrilled, and how they came up with The topic of showing up authentic in the workplace was so perfect and I hope you found it helpful to have multiple points of view on the same question. So if this episode was helpful to you, you enjoyed it, you want to share it with a friend, let me know. I would love to hear your feedback, whether that's through Instagram, through email. You can reach out info at NicoleHarrop.com and Instagram is at Nicole.Harrop. Don't forget to check out the bonus question, which is only available for our Patreon members. You go to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash next level leaders. And you can join. It's super simple. It's $5 a month if you want to help me and support me in this podcast. I'll tell you this episode itself took over four hours of editing. I am learning a new program And that, along with interviewing two people at the same time, was definitely something new for me to learn how to align everything perfectly, again, in this new system. So if you want to help be a support and join at the $5 tier, that would be amazing. I would love to see you there. The bonus question is, what do you appreciate most about working with someone who you feel is being authentic? So again, that question is only available to the Patreon subscribers. So go check that out. If Patreon is not your thing, then you can always join the free community, which I mentioned earlier in the podcast, and it's also linked in the show notes. As for a personal update, things have been busy over here. I have really been focusing on growing the podcast as well as launching my new business. 
And those are the two big things that I'm excited about for this year. The podcast is a little bit easier because it was something I was already doing and now I'm putting more of a focus on it. And then my corporate program that I finally named, which I will be releasing here soon. Uh, It has a name. I'm so excited to finally have nailed that down. Working on getting all of the trademark and legal stuff figured out as well with my lawyer, but I'm so excited to start sharing this with people who have entry-level team members and they want them to grow within their company, but they may not be providing them all of the additional soft skills needed to really help set each individual team member up for success. Again, I created this program because I didn't really have much of a mentor in my early stages of my career. Some people are really... I don't know if you'd call it lucky, but maybe I will in this case because it depends on what manager you have and that can certainly determine what your success will be in that career. And I'm not saying that infinitely, but I am saying that if you are new and you really don't know what to do and you're expecting or hoping that your leader is going to guide you, but maybe they're super new so they don't really know how to guide you, they're still learning all of the ropes, or maybe it's someone who is really determined on you know, getting promoted themselves so they aren't as focused on the growth and development of their individual team members if the stats and everything else on the team are looking really good. So that's the whole reason why I came up with this program to help entry-level team members grow within their current role and really feel successful and happy where they're at. Again, providing more loyalty to companies, less turnover, and more internal promotion opportunities. So I'm really excited to get that launched and to start getting some companies onboarded. And then again, with the podcast, it's the same thing. I didn't feel at the time that there was a voice similar to mine sharing a message to support more women in the workplace. The world needs more female leaders, and that is exactly why I decided to create this podcast, especially focused on women. Now, my corporate program is focused on entry-level team members in general, but I definitely wanted to point out and mention certain different things of how to be supportive as well to women in the workplace. So there is an extra emphasis there as well. And again, this podcast as an additional support for anyone who's going through that program. That's all I have for updates this week. And again, if you like the new layout of how I'm doing the podcast, let me know. I look forward to the day when I have some sponsors for the podcast and more Patreon supporters so I'm able to hire out at least the editing phase. It does take me so long to edit episodes. I love, I love recording the episodes and having the conversations and if I could spend more time talking with potential guests and getting my calendar filled up with interviews as opposed to figuring out and getting all the editing done that would be amazing so be on the lookout if you have any sort of company that you think would be great to sponsor the podcast reach out and tell me and let me know. I want to keep it as focused as I can on women in the workplace so that these ads that I would be sharing or the sponsorship notes, 
or the sponsorship message would be geared towards women in the workplace. I would love to have sponsors who are women-owned businesses or, again, products that are focused towards women that are going to be helpful for you in your day-to-day life as a working woman. All right, until next time, we'll see you later. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Next Level Leaders. If today's episode resonated with you, please take a quick screenshot, share it to your Instagram, and tag me at Nicole.Harrop. I love to see it, and it means the world to me. I appreciate you helping to spread the word so I can help more women. See you on next week's episode.